You know, I, I, I said it in, in after worship. I grew up in a church, and, and I don't know, what is that? Uh, Footloose. Y'all remember the movie Footloose? That was my church. Uh, at our high school, we could not have a senior dance. We had a banquet. You had to dress up and sit in a banquet and eat, and somebody would say something and sing, and, and that was it. And, uh, you know, I, I, you get to tapping your foot. They go, oh, watch it, that Lisa dancing. But my daughter was born, and she, as soon as she could walk, she had rhythm. And I'm like, I didn't teach her that. I'm like, that's God-given. See, God likes people to dance before him. Next week, we're talking about David. Better get ready. And, uh, but today, we're talking about Abraham. Are y'all ready? Come on, Abraham was a man that uh, followed God. And so, uh, before I, I dive in, I want to say something. Uh, Abraham didn't have a Bible. No Bible whatsoever. But he had relationship. Okay? You need to work on your relationship with God. I'm, hey, hey, I believe in reading the Bible. You need to read your Bible daily because your Bible sets your course and, do, and, and helps you live for God and you know God's heart. I mean, if, if, if I'm ordering a hamburger for my wife, I know everything to put on it because I have relationship. I can cook her a hamburger on the grill, and I know what to be, you know, the bread, the, you know, mayonnaise, no mayonnaise, mustard. See there? And so, so the Word gives you and helps build your relationship, but it's relationship and not religion or not the Word alone. Because, because guess what? I've known boys who went to seminary with a Bible under their arm and studying the Bible every day and cheated on their wife because they lost relationship. And then the works. Well, I'm smarter than y'all. I want to me argue the word and this doctrine. Baloney on that's relationship. And you need to follow Jesus and you need to follow, follow the Father and you need to have relationship with all three, the Holy Spirit. And so let's get our relationship together today, okay? We're building our relationship. And so guess what? We're going to talk about Abraham being led by God and you're going to say, well, God never visited me. Yes, he did. And yes, he has. And you need to ask him. Because I sat in the service one day years and years and years ago, and the pastor said, well, the Lord spoke to me this week. And I went, what? Nobody ever told me God spoke, said that God spoke to them. That's the church I grew up in. You worship God, he's up there, and you're just trying to make it while you get here. And just, oh, Lord, help me, forgive me a sin, forgive me a sin, forgive me a sin, forgive me a sin, and no power. No power, no, don't put on righteousness. They never taught me to put on righteousness. You know what putting on righteousness is? That's being holy. And God said in the Old Testament and the New, be ye holy. Be holy as I'm holy. And God wants you to be holy. That means you're right with him. Hey, don't start looking out. Well, this ain't right, that ain't right. No, look at what the blood of Jesus has done and you're right with God. Because if you look at sin all the time, guess what? You're going to maintain sin. But if you look at God all the time and you ask him to forgive you and you get in that right standing and that holiness, hey, there you're in the place, even if it's for five minutes. Some of y'all can't laugh. Uh, yeah, you can. It begins to grow in you. And you get bigger in God. And God gets bigger in you. Okay? 
So let's look at number one. And so uh, God, you know, let, me, let me back up too. You know, I had a good saying I, that the Lord gave me on the going to Bible school. You can learn Hebrew and Greek and not know him. So number one, God told Abraham to be a follower. Ooh, so let's look at, we're in Genesis 12. Now remember, who wrote Genesis? We learned it last week. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Job. They most maintained the Job. But, so he's writing this and telling the story of Abraham. Now, Abraham didn't have the uh, uh, Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus, but God's setting everything up. And so in, in Genesis 12, 1, now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country. I'm going to stop right there. You know how old he was? 75. Y'all quit saying, well, I'm too old. No, you're not. And you're not too young either. Jeremiah said, I'm, I'm, I'm too young. He said, no, you're not. So, so here we are. He's 75. And, and uh, he said, get away from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, because in him was Jesus. Amen? And we've been given the name of Jesus. How about that? Now, we just sang about it. So my question after number one, are you a follower? Come on, let's be a follower. Oh, let's see. Man, did you see that episode of Gunsmoke last night? Yes, I did. You a follower of Gunsmoke? Nothing wrong with gun smoke. Now, some of y'all youngers, there's a Western, okay, that came on uh, almost every night. But we need to follow Jesus like that. Can you get in the Word 30 minutes? Can you pray for 15 and let it grow and let it big? And you know everything about gun smoke. You know who the sidekick was. Well, you know who the father's sidekick is? Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about we need to be a follower of these people. And we look at Abraham's life, and we're going to learn to be a follower like Abraham. Okay? So number two. Let's dig in number two. God gives Abram faith, focus, and vision. Now, I called him Abram because that was his first name. It's Abram. And underneath uh, your notes there, we're going to follow through, and we're going to talk about faith through a covenant. Now, we don't know much about covenants. The closest thing we have to a covenant is marriage, where uh, a man and a woman come up, and, and we generally, if we do a wedding up here, uh, I, and I lead it, I'm doing it before God, because I'm really nothing. You're just making your vows to each other and to God. And that's what a covenant is. You make vows to one another. And, and so God cut a covenant. Back in the day, uh, they split animals. We have contracts today. And we get a lawyer to write up a good contract, but, but, but I can get a lawyer to tear that contract up. We don't believe in keeping our word. Uh, Indians had covenants. They had blood covenants. They cut their wrist. We're serious about this. We're going to shed some blood. And the only way out of a covenant is death. Hmm. I know. That's, whew. Now, now, we're going to read uh, about this covenant that God cut with Abraham, and uh, to set it up, Abraham's wanting a kid. 
I'm 75 years old. I don't want any more kids, okay? And uh, I like my grandkids. I can run them and send them home. But, but he's 75, and so he's like, man, you haven't given me any kids. And God said, okay, I'm going to prove it to you. This is one of the strongest things in the earth. But, again, I'm, I'm picking on us being Americans. We don't do covenant. We don't do blood. We don't do blood. You know, you bring it here, I can skin it. So, anyway, it doesn't bother me. And so, let's, let's read about it. Uh, then he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. That's a city, Ur. Hold on, let me help you out. Ur had running water, folks. They had running water in the city. They have excavated that city, and they had running water and stuff like that. We think, well, it was just pitiful back then. They lived in, you know, yeah, they did live in tents. Abraham did, but let's keep going. Uh, and he said, uh, and he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? In verse 9, he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two. Okay. So somebody's going to walk through it. Gross. Now I split it right down the back. And he's going to walk through the guts and the blood. You don't forget that because you're cutting covenant. And so, so he split them and, and, and the opposite to the other. And he did not uh, cut the birds in two, but it came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between these pieces on the same day that the Lord made a co covenant with Abram. Now, Abram didn't walk through the guts. God and Jesus did. Jesus on the cross was between God and Jesus for us. They walked through it for Abraham. This covenant was cut, and Abraham knew it's powerful, and they walked through it for Abraham. And God told him one place, you know what, I know you probably can't keep your word, but I'm going to keep mine, and I swear to myself, for there is no greater that I will keep my word. Do you know God keeps his word? Glory be. That's why the Bible is so important. It gives you all, everything that God has given us, and he keeps his word. So, so they walked through this, and they did it for Abraham. It's covenant. It's powerful. But we, 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 I have to, you know, I could teach days on this, but, but we have got to learn and recognize the Bible's called the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And the Old Covenant started with Abraham. Abraham's the man. Abraham, the Bible says that God goes to and through, through the earth looking for somebody. He can show himself strong on their behalf, and he found Abraham. He's found you if, you, if you're a believer in Jesus. He brought you out. He called you out. You didn't get saved. He called you. You're sitting in the service. I remember being, I'm eight years old, and I'm like, man, I need to give my, my heart to Jesus at vacation Bible school. Why, how did it, where did that thought come from? It was God. You say, well, I, I haven't heard. If you're saved, you've heard the voice of God. God drew you to, to give your heart to him. That's the way God works. Learn to lean into that. God will lead you to some things. And so, so here it is. It came to pass. And so this is a covenant, and it's powerful. 
and it's a covenant we still stand on. We got the Abrahamic, Jesus fulfilled this covenant, and now we're in the new one. Amen? So let's go to B. He got focused through a name change. When two people get married, there's names exchanged. Covenant, huh? And so, in Genesis 17, 4, so we're just, just easing down through this, looking through Genesis here. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, which means father of many nations. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. He hadn't had no kids. He's not no kids yet. No kids. And, and me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Now I'm jumping to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai anymore. Sarai, it's Sarah. And, and, and so shall her name be. Now we'll stop right there just for a second. Abram, Abraham. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Yahweh is supposed to be whispered. Yahweh. Abraham. He gave him his name. Sarah. Isn't that pretty cool? But if you look through the Bible, people who had a burning bush experience like we talked about last week, their name got changed. Jacob wrestled with God all night, wrestled with the angel. It may have been Jesus. That's some, that's some debate on that. And he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go. It's daylight. He goes, no, I ain't letting you go till you bless me. And he had to touch his hip and put it out of socket before he'd let him go. And he walked with a limp every day knowing that God had blessed him, though. But he prayed over him, and he gave him a blessing. And he walked with a limp knowing this limp came from the blessing. And he said, your name's no longer Jacob, it's Israel. Jesus told Simon, mm, you are Peter. And upon this rock, you're the rock. Peter wasn't a rock. He denied Jesus three times. He's up and down and all around. He cut your ear off and then cuts you out. What kind of Christian are you, Peter? But wait a minute, after the resurrection, he became the rock. He became Simon Peter, Simon the rock. How about, how about Saul? In the Bible, Saul became Paul, left the old man behind. I'm not telling you you need to change your name. I'm telling you, you've got the name of Jesus. God has given us, we just sang about it. God has given you the name of Jesus. You go to the Father in Jesus' name. You pray in Jesus' name. You have the name of Jesus. When things go wrong, you can call upon Jesus. The Bible says you can go into the Holy of Holies because of Jesus. You can go before God and plead your case. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. Jesus. Okay? All right. Y'all getting quiet on me. So, see, he got vision for a family. Hey, let me back up. I'm, I jumped ahead too quick. In Genesis 22, 2, I want to I show you this. We're not really talking about this, but this is covenant. Okay? When you get married, what's mine is yours and yours is mine. We'll do death till death do us part. Somebody just went, she ain't getting none of that. 
Touch my money. Well, wait a minute. But God said, what's yours is mine and mine is yours. That's what covenant is. And so, so God told Abraham to take your son, your only son. He's got a son now. His name's Isaac. And he said, I want you to take him up on the mountain. And a lot of people believe it's the mountain where Jesus was crucified. And he built an altar. And his son said, Dad, where, where, where's the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. And they finished building the sacrifice, and then he tied his son's hands behind his back and laid him on the altar. And let me read it to you right quick. In uh, Genesis 22, 2, and I'll explain. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, uh, and go to the land of Moriah and uh, offer him there as a burnt offering as one of, uh, on one of the mountains that I will tell you. Now, let me say this. God's not going to ask you to offer your kids up. But, but wait a minute, God does everything legal. You hear me? God does everything. He asked Abraham, the father of faith, to give his son so God could give Jesus. And he did everything, and he, when he raised his arm, now, now we, we can cheat and go ahead. In Hebrews, he said he saw him raised in a vision. That's why Abraham was keep following. He's following God. But the, the angel stopped him and said, nope, 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 look. And there was a ram in the bushes that was provided for the sacrifice. But because you did this, see, because Abraham obeyed God and did that, God was able to send Jesus to die for us. Isn't that cool? You see, it took a man to take a step to follow God, and it took a man, Jesus, to die for men. He's our salvation. And it started with Abraham. So see, vision for family like the stars in the sand. What's that got to do with anything? You need help with your faith. You need to be asking God to help you grow your faith. And God, Jesus, you know how Jesus taught a lot about parables. Like unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a tree, a seed, a farmer. The kingdom of heaven is like a banquet. He told stories, but God will give you metaphors like the stars in the sand. God took Abraham out and said, look at the stars. You ever been out at 2 a.m. in the morning out in the middle of nowhere, and you look up and can't, you can't count the stars, people. But God said, this is your seed. This is how many children you're going to have. I am one of them. I am Abraham's my father by faith. And so let's read. In Genesis 22, 17, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. You ever tried to count a cup of sand? Well, let me help you out. We'll talk about sand in you just for a second. There are 500 million grains of sand in one cubic square foot. 500 million. What's that got to do with me? God's sand promise to you. Did you know there's a sand promise to you? In Psalms 139, 17, how precious are your thoughts to me. 
O God, how great is the sum of them. Verse 18, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God's thoughts towards you are greater than the sand. Well, 500 million, God's thinking about you all the time. The Bible says you're the apple of his eye. That means you're his favorite. Now, you know, uh, my kids used to say, well, he's your favorite, she's your favorite, this your favorite. You know, my brother and I used to pick it on mom. No. Well, God's big enough to have everybody be his favorite. He'll treat you and give you favoritism. You'll be the teacher's pet. How about being God's pet? Come on, God's favor is on you. Well, we never get anywhere. I'm just a day late and a dollar short, and I'm not going You're never going to get any favor like that attitude. Do you know your attitude and opinion will keep you out of the promised land? Okay, remember, let's go back. You know, Moses sent 12 spies. Ten came back with a negative opinion and a negative attitude. And it kept the whole bunch from going to the promised land. Your thoughts, your opinions, well, I don't think the Bible is just alive today. It's not real for me. You ain't getting any of it. It's just the way it is. It's your faith is how you partake of the things of God. And, and it's your attitude because if your attitude's bad about the Word of God, your attitude's bad about God. He's never done anything. He's never done anything for me. It's okay to question, but it's okay, but it's not okay to have an ugly opinion about God. And keep your mouth shut. Because what happens, it's just, if it's not just you, but if I tell you my ugly opinion and now you don't believe, I'm going to be standing before God. And your opinion, it was your opinion, Pastor Brett, that turned her from serving me. And kept her from serving me. Now, she's supposed to seek it out for herself. But, you know, we talk a lot of talk. And it turns a lot of people away from Jesus. We can get religion. Religion's supposed to be a good thing. But it's turned into a bad thing, hasn't it? So God's thoughts toward you. He has great thoughts toward you. Come on, you receive that? Good thoughts. So let's dig into number three. We'll camp out here. This is one of my favorite stories. It's in the New Testament, but it's about Abraham. And so Abraham is our father of faith. If the Bible says that each one of you have faith. Well, I don't have faith. Now, you know, you've got faith. Now, it can be weak faith, and it can be little faith, or it can be great faith, or it can be strong faith. It can be mighty faith. It can be shipwreck faith. What's shipwreck faith? And everything's good. Oh, I love God. I love God. Ah! Shipwreck. Everything's going good, and the devil trips you. And, 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 and now you, you, got, you tested now. Huh? Anybody ever been tested by the devil? You're not paying attention. Everything doesn't come from God. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. The thief comes to steal, 
kill, and destroy. Well, okay, wait a minute. If this is trying to steal from me, kill me and destroy me, that's not God. Come on, judge it. Sickness, disease will kill you, will destroy you. Get help. Go to the doctor. Start praying. Start believing God. Know that the enemy is attacking you, that things go along and happen in your life that, you know what, I'm taking a stand for God. I believe God. Let me, let me tell you something. Abraham died in faith. I'm going to just jump in here. What do you mean, Pastor? He didn't have but one kid. Actually, he had six more after Isaac. But he didn't see the multitudes, the nation come. It was a promise, but his seed began to multiply on the earth. And now by faith, I'm a child of Abraham. You're a child of Abraham. Let's read the story. In Romans 4, 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise, everybody say promise, might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed. This is a little tricky, hard to read, a little old English stuff. Uh, in the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they exist. Leave that scripture up just for a second. You know, the name change is a profession of faith. Abram to Abraham, father of a multitude. He didn't have any kids. And he goes, hey, how you doing? I'm a father of many. I'm a father of many. Ask me where my kids are. Ask me where my kids are. Where are your kids? I ain't got any. <laughs> well, that's stupid. How come you got that name and you don't even have any kids? And Peter, they're supposed to be the rock, and, you know, he, he denied Jesus, told Jesus. And the next phrase, he said, you can't go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. What? Because here's the thing. God will speak life over you even when you're walking in death. God will speak peace over you in the midst of the turmoil. God will give you joy when you're not supposed to have any joy. And people go, that just don't make sense. You don't even really care. People, say, people have told me I didn't care because I had joy at a funeral. I know where they're at. They wouldn't come back if you gave them the world with a fence around it. They're, going, they're in heaven. They're rejoicing. And so that's where we have got to maintain. We know to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. God said, precious are the death of my saints. And we're like, oh, you need to go back to, oh, when the saints go marching in. That's for a reason. I'm in that number. I'm going there one day. Hey, hey, I'll hold a spot for you if I beat you. All right, joke time. It was three preachers. They asked, what do you want to be remembered by? I didn't need to help me, Lord. And the first one said, I want to be remembered that I was a good Bible teacher and that I led my congregation well. And then the second preacher, he said, what do you want to be? Well, I, I'm the same way. I want to be remembered as a good preacher and a good pastor, and I love people. And the third one says, what do you want to be remembered for? He said, when they look at me, I want to say, look, he's moving. He's getting up. <laughs> okay, can't help it. This happens that way every now and then. So, 
In verse 18, this is Abraham. He had no kids. Verse 18, put it on the screen for me. Uh, who contrary to hope believed in hope, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was written. He's 75, now he's uh, 99, and he still has no kids. He's 99, and he has no kids, so contrary to hope, he believed in hope. He's hope, supposed to be hopeless. Supposed to, you're too old, your wife's too old. He's supposed to be hopeless, but he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. You see, his faith through God said, count the stars, count the stars. Do you know that, that God took uh, uh, Israel or uh, Jacob at the time, and he was keeping uh, his father-in-law sheep, and God said, I want you to put up, re put up poles, and when they go down the water, I want you to see them with spots. Because he got all the ones with spots. And I want you to see them and start believing for all of them to be born with spots. And they were. And then when he left with all those sheep, they lost their spots. Okay. What, what do you believe in? Let me ask you, what do you believe in God for? You believe in increased business? You increase the, that, that, that you, you have more children? That your baby will be better? I mean, I can give you promises for every one of those. And we don't serve God for promises, but those are benefits. That's benefits from relationship. Man, Jesus is the relationship that we have got to have, and that's the benefits of the relationship that you're going to have, you're going to be blessed and, and, and favored. It doesn't say you're going to be a millionaire. You can't handle being a millionaire. Or you'd be pursuing it. Are you training to be a millionaire? You know, if you're going to run a nail gun, you better train. I, I've been shot with a nail gun, and I didn't do it. I'm like, boy, I'm coming over there. He shot me right in the side right there. I don't need a thorn in the flesh. Come on. But he shot me because he didn't know what he was doing. He's playing around with the safety and pulled the trigger and boom, shot me with a 16-penny nail. It didn't stick me, but woo-wee. So, so we have got to train. God, God will stir in your heart to train to be something, to do something. And it may be contrary to anybody, maybe nobody in your family is that, or everybody, you can't do that. Yes, you can. God is on your side. So, in verse 19, let me read it here. And being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise, everybody say promise, of God through unbelief. But it was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, he was strengthened in faith. We look at circumstances too much. That's impossible. We can't do that. It's impossible. It's impossible. And then we read these Bible stories like, well, that, 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 and even preachers will talk you out, well, that was for them, and God was just establishing the Israelites, and, and then Jesus came, and Jesus was the Son of God's why he did miracles. No, he did them as a man. And look at all the disciples. 25 years later, they were, they, they were people that weren't disciples. Read Acts and look at who God spoke to and God used. They weren't all the disciples. They were people like you. Remember when Jesus sent out the 12? He said, go cast out devils, go lay hands on the sick. The next time he sent out 60, who's the 48? Who's the 48? 
You. You're supposed to go get people saved. You're supposed to be that witness and that light. And, and so uh, Abraham was not weak in faith. It took him 25 years when he started with God from 75 to 99. And God said, you're not weak in faith. And y'all, we can't, man, we want to, God, I'm going to pray, and it needs to be like driving McDonald's. I need to just pull up and get it. Come on, you, you got to have some tenacity. The devil ain't going to let go of your stuff. You got you to gotta bow up. If you ever played sports, sometimes you got to dig in. You got to dig in for your marriage. You got to believe God. You got to dig in for your kids. You got to believe God because there are promises in the Bible for your children. We just read it. Mm. Put verse, put verse 20, 21 up. And being fully convinced that what God had promised, they promised, he was able to perform. Now, anybody ever heard, God can do anything? The question is, what can you believe God to do for you? Everybody knows God is God, and God can do anything. You know, there's some things that God has that can't do. He can't, he cannot fulfill the promises of his word. He's bound himself to his word. He promised Abraham, I will do this and I will swear I will do it by my own self. Come on, God is God, but he's bound himself to his word. He's not going, do you know the, de the demons are on a leash? If he turned them loose, they'd eat us up, but they're only in the temptation mode. You ever thought about that? And, you know, somebody said, well, you'll not be tempted more than you can handle. Yeah, you will, but you'll not be tempted more than God can't help you through. Come on. It's not our strength. It's not our power. It's his power in us. And, yeah, temptation's coming, and, but you know what? God, everything he's promised, it's yes and amen. Read 1 Corinthians 1.20, I think. Everything's yes and amen. And so what he was fully convinced. Are you fully convinced? Have you ever took out a promise of God, I need this for my kids, and now I'm standing on this promise. Standing on the promises of Christ our King. Sang that all my life and didn't know what it meant. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Standing on the promises. We're supposed to stand on the promises. What Abraham, being fully convinced of what God had promised, he was able to perform. Are you fully convinced? You're probably not. But you can get there, and it won't take 25 years because you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, Christian, and the Spirit of God is always prompting you, I can help you, let me help you, I can help you. Oh, oh look at the stars, look at this, look at that, and he'll show you examples that you can believe. Okay, and you know what? If somebody gets it before you, don't be mad. If they got it, I can get it. Well, you're a preacher, Pastor. That's how you come. You can get it. No, no, no. Oh, my wife would tell you, I'm just like, y'all, I need to sit out here and hear this stuff. Because you know what? The cares of this life come on everybody. But we stand on the promises to make it through the cares of this life. Don't wait till the last minute and start getting on the promise. You need to be on the promises right now. What you believe now is what you're going to receive in the future. What you plant, just what Jesus said, 
The sower sows the word. What you plant, doubt, unbelief, unforgiveness, you're going to reap. Remember when I talked about that opinion? You reap what you sow. If you have a bad opinion about somebody, somebody's going to get a bad opinion about you. Quit sowing that. Go back and, you know what, forgive me, Lord. I've had something against them. Forgive me. I tear up everything I've ever said about them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Blessing on them. So, in verse 22, and therefore it was accounted for him, it, it was accounted for him for righteousness. Verse 22, is a computer jammed up on us back there. And so, listen, because he believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Remember what I said about righteousness? Being right with God means you're holy. God said, one of mine, right here, right here. And you know what? He says that about you. Well, you don't know what I did last night, Pastor. Well, repent. It's that easy to get right back right with God and be holy. Amen? So, so in verse 23, he said, now it was not written for his sake alone, but it, that it was imputed to him, but verse 24, but also for us, it shall be imputed. To us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So Abraham learned how to stand on the promise, learned by faith, vision, saw things God set down with him. Now, I counted up the, the miracles of uh, the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Ten plagues were a miracle, not against them, but it was still a miracle. You know, they, they, they went out to the Red Sea, they crossed through, but there was a flaming fire behind them that kept the Egyptians from getting them. Across the other side, the water collapsed on the Egyptians. I mean, you know, we're up, we're up to 13 or 14. I think I can't remember, but I got up to 43 miracles. You think, man, if I had 43 miracles, if I saw 43 miracles, I'd believe. Well, they didn't. They were still up and down, wishy-washy, mad at God. You brought us out here to die in the desert. And they had a cloud over them to keep them cool in the sunshine and a fire over them to keep them warm at night. And they're still griping and complaining. Break that spirit of griping and complaining off of you because you need to get a hold of the promises of God. Look in, look in 2 Peter 1.3. And this is Peter talking. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We need life and godliness. God's divine power has given us everything through salvation that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. The word of God will help you with that calling of glory and virtue. Verse 4. By which have been given to us. Everybody say to us. Or say to me, exceeding, exceedingly great and precious promises. There's promises again. That through these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped corruption that is in this world through lust. Lust is strong desire for anything. Ever met anybody that worked 14 hours a day just working, 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 and got plenty of money every day, working, working, working. They're doing it by their own strength. 
or they, they, they won't spend money because they're worried about it. There was a, a friend of mine in Louisiana. He was actually from New York. He was half Jew and half Italian. He said, I don't know where to steal it or buy it wholesale. He was, he was, but he was, he, he was a New Yorker, real New Yorker. His, his aunt or great aunt died in the Depression. And they found her in her room, and she was on the bed, and she was dead. And the doctor said she starved. She starved to death. And they're like, man, if she just told us, we'd kind of got some food together. Taking the room, all the furniture out, underneath her mattress was $40,000. $40,000. She wouldn't spend any even to buy food. Come on now. Money's not a God. It's not a good God. It's a poor God. God's our source and our strength. Yes, you need money. It's better with money, okay? I've been without and with. Paul said he has too. But God's our source. God's our help, not money, okay? Just, just throwing that out there. So, so, so we, by God's divine power, he's given us precious promises, and they were fulfilled at Calvary. You know, we always start off with one, Psalms 103, 1 through 5. Those are benefits of Calvary. And you need to go after them. We're sheep. We need to be led. Are you a follower? Are you following Jesus? Are you going to the still waters? Are you going to the pastures? Are, are, you, are, you, you, know, are, are you sitting at the table? Is he feeding you? Are you a partaker? Peter said, by these precious promises, you might, might be. So that means we got to do something. We might be a partaker of the divine nature of God. First, we have to receive him. Then we have to follow him. As we follow him, we get in the word, and then we start to listen. What's the Holy Spirit saying? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Go this way. Go that way. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, do, where do I, how do I need to go? To, do I even need to go to Bristol today? I can go tomorrow, go today. Which is the best? Do you know he knows? Do you know how many times I'm just, I'm just trying to hear God's voice? I'm just trying to learn. I'm driving home. I'm driving home and, and take a let, go this way. Well, that's a longer way. Go this way. And I go that way and I go under the train trussle and the train's been sitting there for two hours. I would have been in line. I'd have to turn around back up and do something different. And you know what? I didn't listen one time, and I sat there. We've got to ask, but we, you learn to practice. I used to, when I was in sales, I'd say, okay, Lord, I've got a half a day today. I want you to lead me to somebody that's interested in buying what I'm selling. Hmm? I need your help. You're my strength. You're my shield. You're my helper. And he does. And he has. I'm encouraging you to invite God into your life and be a follower. Invite him in your life. Invite him to your job. Not where you're just, I'm, no, you can witness on your break. While you're there, you need to work. Somebody said this, if you don't work more than what you're getting paid for, you'll never get more than what you're worth. You got to do the extra. That's, that's, you know, and that's a biblical principle. You got to do something. And so first of all, be a follower, be a doer of the word and be, and you know what? 
I, I said it last Sunday, Sunday there, I went and I did a Hispanic Bible study, and this lady got saved, and God said, that's why I sent you to that job. And I thought, you know, man, I'm here to make money. I got two kids, and, uh, and I, I need to make, but God sent me there. And you know what won her husband? Was my work ethic. Man, he, 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 his goal at all every day was make a Christian cuss. Man, he would get under your skin and get under the skin. But me, he didn't bother me because he was my foreman, and I was making him look good. I was putting product out. I, we were building stuff, and I'm building stuff like nobody's business. And he respected me, and he wanted to hear what I had to say because I was living it. Okay? You got to live it, not just talk it. Here, let's, let's sit over here in the shade. You know, we're supposed to be working. And so you work, and people want to know, okay, what is, why are you doing it? Man, I just saw you hit your finger with a hammer. Why ain't you cussing like everybody else? Because cussing don't heal it. I was playing Little League, and the boy caught a ball with a glove on, and it broke his finger, come through the skin. And the coach said, if cussing would have healed anything, that would have healed it right there, but it don't. He was so malnutrition. It's kind of sad. In Romans 8.32, this is a promise that you need to get a hold of. Can you believe God's for you? Is God for you? Do you believe God loved you and sent Jesus for you? Look what it says. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. If God sent Jesus to die for you, why ain't he, he's going to give you everything you ask for as long as it's in the will of God. You can't go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my wife and marry me another one. I'm going to get six of them. Shoot, good luck. No, you got to stay within the confounds of the Word of God, but if you can find it in the Word of God, you can believe that it's a promise for you. If you can find it in the Word, you need to go after it. There's precious promises in the Word. And the promises in the Old Testament have come through the cross for us too. But people want to pick out all the judgment and condemnation and the beating up that God did in the Old Covenant. Well, those people weren't saved. We're in a new covenant. But, you know, it doesn't mean we're not going through stuff. doesn't mean we're not going to have it. But you know what? We can have peace and joy and love going through it. That God has strengthened us on the inside. And we'll dig into more of that next week. We're going to be talking about David. So get your shoes and dancing shoes on and your singing voice out. And so we're going to uh, honor David next week. But let me pray over you. I want you to bow your heads just for a second. Father, I thank you for Jesus and I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you just touch every heart in here that we become a, a follower like never before. That Jesus, you want us to be greater and stronger than even our parents and grandparents. Stirring our hearts to believe you. Mm. To be that blessing for people. To show people the kingdom of God. Before I pray any more of that, let me ask you, if you don't know Jesus and you've never asked him to come into your heart, 
Would you lift your hand and say, you know what, I need to accept Jesus for the first time. Just lift your hand up. I don't see any hands, but I, I, I trust everybody's born again, so I want to talk to the Christians in the house now. I want to pray over you to be the, the, the best follower you can be, to change following other things and put God first, to lean into Him, to trust Him. Yeah. I see people lifting their hand on that. I didn't, you know, and that, that's it. That should be everybody in here. I want to be, a, I, I want to be a, a, all that God wants me to be. I see your hands. So let me pray over you. I'm praying over everybody in here. Father, I thank you as believers, Lord God, that you stir in us to follow you, to follow you in the faith that, like Abraham did, like Jesus did, like Paul did and Peter did, to follow you in the faith. But Lord God, in the, these last days, I thank you that there's going to be a greater, greater outpouring of your presence and your joy and your peace, your provision. But Lord God, we're called to be light and salt, make a difference in, on this planet. We say, come, Jesus, come. But we also say, Lord, help us bring as many people with us, many, many, many around us aren't saved. Show us how to reach them. They may never step foot in a church. They don't have to. But they can know you. They can accept you. So, Father, I thank you for an impartation today by your Spirit to be that soul winner, to be the light to the lost. I thank you, Lord, that when lost people come around, these people in this church, Lord, they'll have questions. They'll ask, "What? hey, man, what, what about this Jesus? What about this Jesus? So, Lord God, as we follow, let us take many who will follow with us. In Jesus' name.